If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. It's been a while since we've had Josh on. Yeah, yeah it has. We had him on like a lot. a year or two? I like the guy. I grew up, uh, you know, I liked watching him fight back in the... He's, he's going to fight again, maybe. Good dude. Oh, I know, That's crazy, right? huh? I thought he was yeah. going to fight you. No. Yeah. no in the no, episode, no, no, a couple no. times, yeah, he alluded he to that. No, you, we're not going to no. do that. Yeah. yeah. He, he, said, he knows better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. He knows. Because you carry a gun. because he's not in here right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the reason. Is he going to listen to this, by the way? I hope Edit that out, Doug. Yeah. Watch out. No, Josh is a great guy. He's working on his media he's got a podcast he's got a school in san jose that he teaches kids and adults he's a fucking cool dude he's one of the most charismatic pro mma fighters that i've that i've met not a lot of them he's, are super charismatic but he's got that yeah he's got a lot of uh promise going forward with his like commentating like mm-hmm. if you guys have watched he's doing a really good job over at bellator so mm-hmm. yeah no he's he's doing big things yeah he was he's always exciting to watch when he used to fight cuz he's one of the more well-rounded fighters uh, especially when he first started, you know, the fighters weren't as well-rounded as they become now, and he was one of the first guys to really come out there. Oh, and, and he the lays thing. it all out there uh, too. He does. He yeah, does. His fight with Nate Diaz, uh, one of my favorites. That was an awesome one. So Josh Thompson can be found uh, on Instagram at the Real Punk, and then his podcast. You know, of course, he talks a lot about mixed martial arts, the sports of mixed martial arts, on his podcast. The podcast is called Sammy and the Punk. It's really good. Go check that out. Um, before we get to the episode, I do want to remind everybody that this month maps anywhere is 50% off. So we redid the whole program, new blueprints, new videos, everything. And the program, we designed it for people to be able to do anywhere. That's why we call it maps anywhere. In other words, you don't need barbells. You don't need dumbbells. You don't need machines. All you need is your body and bands. And the, you know, the challenge with training without equipment is how do you make a workout effective, especially as you become more and more fit, you know, like if you're really, really fit, how do you get the muscle stimulation? How do you get the endurance, the stamina, the strength without using lots of weights and machines? Well, we programmed it. We put it together specifically for people to get really good results. That program brand new is now half off all month long, 50% off. Just go to mapswhite.com and use the code white 50 W H I T E. A number 50 without a space for 50% off. And if you have any questions on our other MAPS programs, uh, we have programs for everybody. We have programs for beginners, intermediate, advanced, bodybuilders, athletes, uh, people who work out at home, people who want to work out outside, whatever. We have a strongman program even. You can find the right program for your body. Just go to mapsfitnessproducts.com. And that's it. That's it with the commercial. So without any further ado, here we are talking to our friend Josh Thompson. You know, it's funny when it, with martial arts type studios, because uh-huh. I've done martial arts since I was a kid. And one thing that I noticed from the business side of them is they either succeed and do great, or a lot of them don't do well at all. Mm-hmm. And you're growing. Yeah. What, what what makes a successful martial arts facility? Like, what do you do? Because the, the biggest one I can think of is like Ernie Reyes, you know, oh, facilities, yeah, right. and they had a chain of them, right? But when you think of Ernie Reyes, what do you think of? I think of like just Taekwondo. And, yeah, but what and, do you what what comes with the members? 
What, what do you think of? Uh, I don't think, I definitely don't think MMA. I like don't age think. wise, you mean? Is that oh, what you're kids. asking? I'm just saying in yeah. general, kids. Yeah, kids. kids. Yeah. So my kids program is huge. We got close to like 70 kids. There's way more business. There's way more. But then on top of it, and, and I should be giving out my secrets, but what I did was, because we are here locally, but <laughs> what I did do though was as I ran all of the uh, workout classes simultaneously with the kids' classes so the parents could work out. Ah, oh, brilliant. Fucking brilliant. So what That's I said great, was, hey, if you, if you drop your kid at 4.30 or for a 4 o'clock class, I have a 4 o'clock class. Oh, that's If smart. you drop your kid at 4.30, I got a 4.30 workout class. So what percentage of the kids would you say their parents are also working out? Well, so until I expanded, I didn't have that because I only had that one side to work oh. with the parents. So as soon as I as soon as I expanded to the other side, I was like, you know what? We never have a 430 fitness class. Let's add a 430 fitness class since we have the kids at 430. And so when that happened, I added the 430 fitness class now is the biggest class we have. Oh, that's cool. It's done. Dude, my gym is dead by mm -hmm. seven o'clock at night. So I'm home by 730. Oh, worked out I well. I love it. That's cool. And because I'm also in a community where there's all houses and I'm sure I've got like six or seven high schools or schools yeah, all around me. I live right by you. Yeah, yeah. So it, that's funny. I haven't seen it in my gym. Yeah, um, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Or your kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, or your kids. so no no it's just uh yeah we we um we've got all the schools that are there and we just marketed to the kids i mean basically we got lucky we had a couple parents that came in and brought their kids and then it just caught on like wildfire i mean obviously it helped a little bit that people knew who i was but when it once they realized that there's no fighters in the gym i'm not trying to make fighters i'm not mm -hmm. trying to make i'm not trying to have your kid be a fighter you know and that's the one thing i stress is uh, even though I stress respect, which most martial arts places do, mm -hmm. is I'm not going to put up with, you know, one kid picking on another kid. Just like being the, even if you're a gray belt or an upper belt, you shouldn't be able to talk down. Yeah. Is that common? Is that common? Yeah, it is. It's totally common. Like the, the you'll see that coach, it, it's tendency for all coaches. They'll tend to favor their upper belts, mm -hmm. you know, and not just upper belts, but like you say, you have a, a, a track star who's like a star, you know, you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to spend more time with that kid than I am that. It's common. You know, the, the star yeah. running back or the star quarterback is going to always get more publicity mm -hmm. than the, the offensive lineman. It's just going to happen. Yeah. You yeah. know, and so I don't, I, that's the one thing I don't do. I treat the, the three and four year olds because we have three to five year old kids. So I treat all the three year olds even better than I treat my gray belts because my gray belts, they should understand. They're like, hey. That was you at one time. Mm -hmm. When you came four years ago to me, that was you. Yeah, and they also mm -hmm. have more of a responsibility, I think, as you get better to teach and help with the coaching. Every time I give them a stripe, I explain that to them. Mm. I say, if, here's with this stripe, you have a little bit more responsibility, whether that's leading warm-ups or whether that's helping and giving instruction to the kids. And also, too, what I do that some parents were like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool, is I break up all the upper belts and I say, okay, here, here's one. We have one, uh, one or two upper belts. They work with all the three to three to six, three to seven year olds, mm -hmm. and I say, okay, they need to learn how to. They have to learn how to open guard. So you go over there and you coach them. So I put like four or five kids with them, and they teach them how to open guard and pass guard. So it teaches them how to teach with kids. And then also the one reason why I did it was so they understand how impatient it is to be, like how patient you have to be to teach a kid who does not want to learn or just wants to play around and goof around because mm -hmm. that used to be them. When I used to say, hey, yeah, why, you know, open guard. And you guys are like, oh, I don't want to do it. You know, they're laying on the ground making snow angels, you know? And you're, <laughs> you're thinking to yourself, man, like, why can't you get this? Like, what, stop goofing around and just uh, do it. And now they understand. So I said, next time I tell you, hey, quit goofing around and do the move, you'll, you'll get it. That's, you, what, that's what I have to deal with every Did day. you take child psychology classes or no, anything like that? No, Well, and the reason why I'm asking is because you're tapping into – this somewhat of a passion of mine. Yeah. And what you're tapping into by the way you're – it sounds like you coach mm – -hmm 
is some of the most effective ways to get children to learn. Like, for example, when you give a child responsibility, especially an older child or a more experienced child, when you give them the responsibility of younger kids or kids who are less experienced, it brings out, it tends to bring out the best in them. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. they feel like they have some authority, they have some responsibility. I got to do a good job. I got to yeah. teach. And they end up learning. They learn their skill even more as a result. Yeah, right? and that's what they Teaching find it. in, in yeah. education studies, you mm-hmm. know, and this is no different. And, and for me, as a parent, you want you, one thing that I loved about the martial arts more than anything was teaching them how to be good uh, people and teaching them mm-hmm. responsibility. So yeah, you can fight, but now you're more responsible. Yeah. You know, uh, you you have this you know this ability now, but you're you you you're less likely to to get into a physical altercation. You're more confident with yourself. So, what's the big difference between? The success, because you, yes, you were a pro fighter. You're well known, but that's not why you're succeeding. Because there's a lot of fighters who try coaching and stuff, and they're just not good. Were you just a natural working with well, kids? Just to talk, touch back on what you were just talking about is, I used to get in a lot of fights as a kid, and mm-hmm. as I started learning how to wrestle better, and as I started learning how to to, to train in jujitsu and learning submissions, <clears throat> I used to even up up until I was like 19, 20 years old, I used to get in like street fights. And it's like, man, when I was 20 years old, I got signed by the UFC, you know, and. Once I realized that I was fighting guys and when you, and I was training with people, teaching people at AKA, they were coming in that were adults, like, you know, mid twenties or late or early thirties. And here I am 20 years old, just rolling these guys up like quick. I mean, submission of submission of submission. Right. And then you go out to a bar and now you're dealing with a drunk guy mm-hmm. who's not even, who's not sober. And you're thinking to yourself, why do I have to beat that guy up? Mm-hmm. Like it would take me less time than it would to te- to, to to roll him up if he was sober. Mm-hmm. So that was a me- like to touch what you were talking about was that's exactly what it, it made me feel. It made me feel like, man, what are you doing? Like you don't need to. You, don't you need just to, felt no yeah, threat. There's no threat. Like mm-hmm. when you go to a bar, there's not one threat in this room that that scares me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I walk in, I'm like, I can I can walk in with the confidence of knowing that. You know, it doesn't matter. Sure, you can beat me at tennis, you can beat me at golf, but I can beat you up. <laughs> you know, and, and that, and makes that it, trumps everything. That right? trumps everything, <laughs> yeah. really. When you're talking about in yeah. the scheme of like, you know, in the animal kingdom, yeah, you know, sure. like, hey, I can I can beat you up, like I can kill you. You know what I mean? Like that. That's what it comes down to. Like, you know, it doesn't matter if you're better at tennis and golf and mm-hmm. basketball. I don't give a crap. It doesn't matter. And so you actually got in less fights. So I got no. I pretty much haven't been in a street fight since. Wow. You know, it's just the reality of. Once you understand that, you can click that in your mind that, you know, while you're, it's, it's like you're, you're wrestling in the Olympics and these guys are barely like they're taking seminars at three and five years old. When you think about it, when you go to a bar, Mm -hmm. they're not not even close. Now, do you think that's common or do you think some fighters are still battling like insecurities and they feel that they need to assert their dominance on people like that? Or, or is it normal? Is it every person is different? I can't, I can't, I can't put a stereotype on everyone because there's, there's different. Like I know there's guys that they, they hated fighting from the moment, but that was the best way for them to make a lot of money. Mm. You know, uh, Trevor Prangley, one of my best friends, he's from South Africa and he fought in the UFC, fought in all the biggest organizations in the world. He hated it. He, every time he was fight, he was like nervous and just stressed and just hated fight camps and just hated it. But man, just hella good at it. Yeah, the guy made good money, man. He was ranked Mm -hmm. in the top 10 in the world for, for a while. You know what I mean? Like it's. You, sometimes you just got to do what makes what makes sense and what makes you the most did, money. Did you realize when you got to the point where you were training with all these fighters and you just didn't want to get in fights anymore, or at least you didn't get in fights anymore because you felt more confident, did you realize that in the past, all the fights you got into, did you realize your role that you played? In other words, at the time where you think, like, why are these people all fucking with me? And then you think back and be like, I wonder if I was... No, no, I wasn't wondering. I knew. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I knew. There was no, there was never any doubt. Um, I always said I didn't start it. I didn't throw the first punch, which I didn't. But I instigated it to the point where someone wanted to throw the first punch. Yeah. You know, it was just I was that kid. You know, I would always say the meanest and harshest thing that I possibly could. You know, to see if I get a rise out of mm-hmm. you. That's mm-hmm. kind of like how you get the nickname, the punk. You know, mm-hmm. there was a lot of different other things. You know, like in the gym, I would say that I would do things. I mean, there, like Javier, if you listen to our uh, when we did a podcast with Javier Mendez on Sammy and the Punk, and he. And uh, and shameless uh, um, plug plug oh, yeah, yeah we got but no no away, it's man. um no but we with Javier Javier said the same thing he's like hey I would fight with Paul Bonatello and Mike Kyle who were heavyweights and top guys in the UFC Paul Bonatello fought for the UFC title mm-hmm. you know and I just threw the gloves off and just started throwing down with them in the middle of the ring like because we got mad at each other Saint Mike Kyle same thing Mike Kyle and I got in a couple fist fight Phil Baroni and I full on fist fights really like no wow. gloves like let's let's fucking get after it that was. That was us. Oh, wow. Like, it didn't matter. I mean, like, it was, that's how, that's how, that's how we are. That's how it was. Mm-hmm. I'm just, that's how I am. And, well, then and, hugging it out and having a beer afterwards. Yeah. But here's the thing. Baroni lived with me at the time. So it was like, I had to drive him <laughs> home to my house. So here we are. We're, we throw the gloves off. We're throwing down. We're yelling and cussing at each other, throwing blows at each other. And we get done. He's like, all right, bro. See all you later. Right. Okay. So you figured home. it out. Yeah. 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 We got it. We got it. <laughs> What's for dinner? Yeah. Uh-huh. We shower, you know, get changed. Like, you know, he'd go yeah. up and take a shower and come back down. He's like, all right, you ready to go? Yeah, yeah. I'm ready to go. It's, fun- yeah. it's yeah. funny because you are, uh, you, you have that fighter instinct. You're definitely, you know, a, a tough guy, but then you seem to thrive tr- working with children. Yeah. Have you, did you always know that you had a knack for that? Where did that uh, come from? You know, I, you know, honestly, I could tell you that it comes from probably like I helped raise my brother and sister. My oh. younger brother, younger oh, okay. sister. And, um, you know, my parents were young when they had me. They were 19 and 20 years old. And um, <clears throat> that was kind of, I think I would say, I wouldn't say it was normal back then, but it was a little bit more common than like now these days. It's like 35, 30, yeah. you know, 32 to 35 is when mm-hmm. people are having kids now. Um, I mean, but back then it was, uh, you know, my parents were still kind of living the younger lifestyle. Uh, they would leave me to watch my brother and sister. I was like six years old. They would be like, okay, we're going to go out. Boom. Oh, wow. I'd be oh, gone. Wow. You know, they'd go out and hang out and come back home. People would all come back to the house at like two in the morning, hang out until five in the morning, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, it was just different. It, it, whatever. I'd wake up, make breakfast with the kids, you know, pancakes. So you just know. learned all those skills growing yeah, up. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, hey, I was hungry, you know, there wasn't any cereal. You got to learn how to make pancakes. Were you, you like know? latchkey kids too? Like when you come home and uh, like your parents weren't there, you just come home and yeah, have yeah. a key? Yeah. We always said that we didn't have a key. We had a back, the back slider was always almost always open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so we just, we had a little side gate. We, you know, I'd jump the side gate and then we just, I'd mm-hmm. walk in the house. The back door was always open. Dude, so. that used to be the, that was the era though. Yeah. That was like at the time, like kids would just walk home from school. It was, yep. you know, it was just safe. Like it seemed safe anyway. Which I think it's more safe now than it was back then. It is. Right. It's just because social media and yeah, and internet, I mean like the internet and the social media, yeah. I think everyone just knows and hears about it now. Yeah. I mean, we get an Amber alert on the phone. Yeah. One kid was kidnapped, you know what, two weeks ago and you're like, everyone got everyone, it. We all, all of a sudden you're like, you're in a restaurant, right? Everyone's like, everyone's picking up their phone. Well, do you find too, like, so if these kids enrolling, do they have different motivation than maybe they did when, you know, we grew up in terms of like going through martial arts? Uh, no, I think it's just, uh, the martial arts has evolved. MMA, mixed martial arts. I mean, mm-hmm. you would call like there, there's not just one discipline that they have to learn now. And you take someone like myself who comes from a wrestling background, played sports his whole life. And I was on team sport and I was an individual sport, which I think is probably the most key thing is you teach people how to, you teach kids how to work with other kids by playing a team sport, which I played soccer. 
I was on a traveling team, traveled all around uh, the U.S. and played. But then I was also on an individual sport where I traveled all around and just wrestled individually. I was still part of a team, still had a coach. But it's when, when you walk out on that mat, it's just you. Mm-hmm. And for me, there was nothing better than doing that. Because even though I love, I would have loved to have played at a high, you know, at, you know, at a, at a higher level in, co- in college for soccer because there wasn't as much pressure on me and it was more fun to socialize and be around everyone playing soccer. Mm-hmm. But the actual reward for me to become who I am today was definitely because of wrestling and because of mixed martial arts. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt, there's, you know, I'm doing it by myself. I mean, it, there's nothing better than, than knowing that you've done something, you've achieved something on your own. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't need, sure you have coaches, but at the end of the day, your coaches can't make you get on a treadmill and run. You know, at the end of the day, sure, they can hold mitts for you, but they can't make you push yourself, you know, and you got to want that. So you were driven. Yeah, 100%. Do you see this in the kids that you coach, that you take your classes? Can you identify the kids like, okay, he's going to be good. How early of an age can you tell if a kid's going to be a badass? You can tell pretty, you can tell pretty early. Whether, here's the thing is I tell parents, like, I don't look at, I look at what, how the kids learn based on what goes on at home. Mm. And that lets me know, um... If your kid's having a hard time absorbing things, if your kid's not um, paying attention in class, that's a parenting issue. That's not a coaching issue. Mm-hmm. That has to do with like, hey, you know, that should be take that should be taken care of at mm-hmm. home. I, I don't care if your kids won fifty medals for me. That doesn't mean anything to me. I care if your kid pays attention and works well with the other kids and listens and absorbs what I'm trying to teach. That's important to me, you know, because later on down the road, being having a coachable kid is more important. To that's how the kid succeeds in life. Mm-hmm. If you can't be coached. You, you odds are you probably won't be as successful as you could have been uh, in, later on. In regardless life. of how regardless talented you are. of how talented you are, absolutely. You know, and it's funny because I have a kid right now who is just—he's a phenomenal athlete. He's a, he's a workhorse, but he only likes to train live. So when he trains live, he's good. You know, he's intense. He can you know he can beat a lot of the kids. But then he's been doing that now for the last two years. But now the kids that he was smashing, you know, for the last two years. They have finally adjusted and their technique has gotten better and they don't have to try as hard to stop what he's doing because of his athleticism and they can just use technique and beat him. Mm. And that now is like an eye opening to him. And I've told him, I said, you need to slow things down and you need to focus on your technique because you're sure you're getting to an armbar position. Sure, I'm getting to a mount position, but you don't know how to finish it. You don't know how to finish it because you haven't spent the time to learn the technique and the proper transitions to get there. Whereas these other kids, they get you to mount and they finish you. You, you get to mount. Sure, you got them there because you muscled them over and threw them down and ragdoll them around and now you're on top. But you don't know how to finish. You know, you don't know how to finish because mm. you don't know the technique to get there. How old is this kid? Uh, he's eight. Eight years old? Yeah. I mean, I put more pressure on him because he is, like, you need to put pressure on those sure, kids. Sure, sure. The ones that have the most athleticism are the ones you have to be the hardest on. Mm-hmm. Because they're going to skate through life thinking that they're the best. Well, yeah. because they, if you, especially, especially when things come easy to you, then yeah. you think, oh, that's this is all the effort I need to put in. They don't get challenged from their competition. So many times it's their coach or their parent that has to teach them how to challenge themselves. Yeah. I've had salespeople like that who work for me where they were so good that they could put half the effort and outperform everyone else. And so I had to find ways to motivate them to challenge themselves because it wasn't from their peers. They already blew them out the water. So I had to like teach them how to motivate themselves. That yeah. could be a very, very tough thing to do. So now you you you're, you you said you, you got more space and you're doing a, you have a whole podcast. Mm-hmm. And media studio thing. What's the what's the goal with all this? What are you doing with it? Uh, you know, so 
We originally just started it. Uh, I started with Sammy and the, uh, this guy named Sam Diggity from 102.5 Kadon. Mm-hmm. He's the morning show. He runs the morning madhouse. All right. So him and I were just talking and it's, and, uh, and he was like, you know, Hey, he knew fighting for, for a lot of years. He was watching me fight him. And I met when I did a couple, um, <clears throat> like appearances down on his show mm-hmm. to help sell some of my fights. And so him and I just started chatting. He's like, you know, why don't we try doing this? You know, I have the studio here. We I used to drive down to Salinas and film in the studio there. You know, every you know once a week and film. But then when I had came and done your guys' show, you guys were like, yeah, we're filming as many times as we can. We're getting as much content as we can. I'm like, yeah, I'm not driving to Salinas. You know, five days a week. <laughs> yeah. You're out of your damn mind. <laughs> so um, we did though. And then I I found producer Dave. Producer Dave, which I call producer Dave. But Dave and I we used to um, drive down every for almost over a year, right? Yeah, it was over a year. Him and I used to drive down every Monday, and we'd film talking about whatever the fights were, and you know, ch- and just shooting the shit. And um, it just slowly, I'd say in the last probably six months, like we had like zero subscribers on YouTube and all these, you know, iTunes and all these other things. Then once we hit a thousand, it slowly grew to like, a you know, 2000. And then once we hit 2000, it grew to 4000 real quick. And then now we're kind of been stuck at around seven, six and a half thousand, something mm-hmm. like that. So it's the YouTube is the, the iTunes and stuff is growing pretty well, but it's, um, it's hit or miss, obviously, talking about whatever it is you're talking about. Yeah. You know, um, you guys What's have been performing on. the best so far? So anything to do with, like, uh, Conor McGregor, yeah. could be even the <laughs> yeah, of off, You know, AKA, anything to do with AKA, DC. Because you, know, you have a lot of insight there. Yeah. yeah, I do have it. And that's the one thing that scares me because yeah. I've got so much insight on the AKA. But the issue is, though, is that what happens when all those guys are gone? I mean, Kane's 36. DC's coming. He's 39. Yeah. He'll be 40. Yeah. I mean, Rock I'm pretty Hold much. Yeah, are. Rockhold lives in Florida now. And I'm sure him and I text and talk all the time. But it's um, what happens when all of us are gone. Like that generation of us guys are gone, you know? Mm. And so there'll be Khabib left, Islam Makachev, you know. Um, and then there's a couple other younger guys that are really talented are coming up. But. You know, there's a, there's a lot of things that we got to, you know, you got to make sure you focus on. You got to focus mm-hmm. on the whole sport. You can't just focus on what's in mm-hmm. front of you. Mm-hmm. How many so. shows are you are you guys airing a week now? We're just doing one a week, but then I started doing one on Sundays now called Punk's Opinion, where I give my opinion based on whatever the latest drama is in the mm-hmm. in the sport. Oh, that's good. So yesterday we talked about Ben Askren um, coming over from, <clears throat> from I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about Ben Askren coming over from the, from 1FC and... Um, <clears throat> And so I talked about that and then the trade for uh, Demetrius Johnson. So those two things we talked about as well as um, – And then the 125 division being either wiped out or not, not – Yeah, that's the anymore. word, right, that how they does, might get rid of it. How does a trade work? Explain that. How do, how, do they trade, how do they trade athletes like that? How do you trade NFL athletes? Yeah. It's the same thing. Same exact thing. Really? I, want, yeah. I want your athlete. You want mine. Let's talk about which one's better. And we'll yeah. let's negotiate. Money. And then remember, there's, sometimes there's money attached to that as well, not just a trade. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I'm wondering. Is yeah, what? I mean, with that, with that, with them, I think it was just a straight trade. Because they could care less about the 125-pound division. And they never liked Demetrius Johnson to begin with. And they don't like Ben Askren either. Yeah, why don't so, they like Ben? He's a fucking machine. Yeah, he's a machine. Yeah. But I want everyone to remember, and, and I said this yesterday, once you guys watch Ben Askren fight halfway through that fight, you guys be like, "Now I know why you guys didn't want." Oh yeah, fight. is he? Wet, you know, is and he a blanket? he's a blanket, and he's always been a blanket. I mean, mm. and here the story on him, and 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 I've trained with DC, and DC said like, "Look, it wouldn't make a difference on the Olympic team if that guy locked his two fingers like this." He's taking you down. Yeah. yeah, doesn't make a difference. So if he gets his two fingers locked on you around your leg, he's taking you down, and that's that kind of animal he is. I mean, he's you can't knock his wrestling. That's never been the knock. The knock is is that he's really good on the ground jujitsu wise, but he don't go for finishes. Mm. So everyone's like, "Yeah, he's coming. Yeah, he's coming." Until about the second round, people were like, "Man." 
F this guy. Watch. They're going to they're gonna be thinking that, like, man, I can see why he didn't come. Right. I can see, see why the they didn't sport, want to come. Uh, really evolved more into yeah. an entertainment uh, aspect to it. Yeah. Know, so the that, one thing that has me thrown off, and as I want to know, is is how are they going to bring um, – they're going to bring him over, and then he fights – he he coaches Tyrone Woodley at the 175-pound pound division. How is he going to coach – T Wood and still become champion at 170 if T Wood's the champion now. Mm. So what's going to happen? Someone brought this up to me yesterday and I was talking with them about it and they said, what's going to happen I think is that they're going to create that 165 pound division like we've all said they were. So Connor has a place to be champion and then they will make a 175 pound division and they'll either Ben or T Wood will go in either direction. Mm. So they'll split them up. So that gives them an opportunity uh, to face Khabib or to face Connor or to face whoever. Mm-hmm. But it gives Connor a chance to be a champion somewhere and it gives Khabib to be a champion somewhere and then it gives T. Wood and Ben to be a champion somewhere. It gives mm-hmm. them a chance. But I'm telling you now, as soon as Ben Askren loses, the hype will be gone. People will, people are going to hate him. Mm-hmm. They're going to hate him. Uh, they're going to hate everything about him. He's, he runs his mouth really well, but once he lo- once he loses, everyone's going to come out of the woodwork. Man, we knew you fucking sucked. Right. We knew you. Because right now there's a lot garbage. of mystique around the guy. Oh, yeah. Can yeah. he beat the best? Can he beat the best? He's mm-hmm. been champion everywhere he went. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and it is true. When he gets his hands on you, you're you're going to get taken down. Yeah, you, you are. You can't gonna, stop his, yep. his game. Yep. It seems that way, at least. For me, when watching the sport and realizing, you know, that it's the... The shit talk, the entertainment, the excitement that generates the big fucking dollars. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the people that consistently win, sometimes, like Demetrius, you know, he's, the guy's a fucking legend, yeah. Yeah. but he's just not exciting, doesn't talk a lot of shit, not a big draw. Do you think that we're really getting the best fighters now, or do you think that that's, now it's starting to just become the best entertainers? entertainers. Yeah. yeah. No, we're getting the best entertainers. That's what mm. we're getting. Um, if you wanted the best fighters, right? If Ben wanted to fight the best fighters, Scott Coker offered him a chance to fight in the Bellator tournament, which Roy McDonald's already beat Tyron Woodley. Mm. He just beat him recently. That was Tyron mm. Woodley's last loss was Roy McDonald. So if you wanted to fight the best fighters, why would you go somewhere where you've already beat, where the guy that lost is not there anymore? Mm-hmm. The guy that beat Tyron Woodley, the beat the champion there, he's not there anymore. He's in Bellator. He got offered to be put in that Bellator tournament. So Scott Coker was talking with Bell, from Bellator to One FC about using Ben Askren, not buying him, but using him for the tournament. That's that's risky on a promoter's standpoint to go ahead and put him in a in a, tur- in a welterweight tournament with all of his best welterweights, yep. saying like, "Hey, you lend me him, and you'll and he can fight Roy McDonald the very first fight." Mm-hmm. That's risky, sure, you know. And but Scott went out on a limb and did it, and and Ben turned it down. So why why would you turn that fight down? Yeah, I think that's just—it's. I mean, money, right? Yeah. He wants more money. I mean, he wants more. Fifty Cent put a million dollars on the way to, on the welterweight tournament. Oh, the really? The winner gets a million dollars. That's not counting their fight purses. I did not. So know they that. get their fight purses plus the winner gets one million dollars. Oh wow! Why Whoa. wouldn't somebody then? Yeah, I have no idea. No huh. idea why. I think I think honestly he's he was the Scared Bellator champion before. He was the Bellator champion before, and. And he was the one FC champion. I think now the only organization he hadn't fought in was the UFC. I think he wanted to go. There. Oh, he's got his eyes Which is on fine, it. yeah. yeah. You know? Why do you think the UFC has such a, uh, I guess, why do you think they have such a stranglehold over this image of that's where the best fighters are, that's where you need to go? Because to turn down a million dollars and to turn down, like you're saying, some of the best fights ever, 
so that he can go to the UFC. Why? Why do you think that's they're happening? the original? That's okay. the hard. I think any promotion that comes in is going to have a hard mm-hmm. time. They're the they're the original. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be hard. I think to to unseat them at, at any time doesn't matter. I think Bellator has an opportunity, but man, let's be real. They've got a long ways to go. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a big Bellator fan. I work for Bellator. I work for Viacom. I work for these guys doing commentary for them and stuff. Uh, I have a contract with them for fighting. But <clears throat> to be honest, let's be real. I mean. And we've said this, and I'm a huge Bellator fan. I love it. I love being there. But if you took, if you take a look at what Connor did in his in his last weigh-ins, I mean, they had twelve thousand people there, ten thousand. Yeah, people yeah, it's ridiculous. You know, I mean, in uh, Bellator in San Jose, we had thir- fourteen thousand people that came to the fights. I mean, it's you're talking about at a weigh-in for them for Connor McGregor, right? You know, and the whole fight. Is you know it's different and sure weigh-ins are I want to say that the weigh-ins are free or they're like I don't know I don't know maybe they cost money I've never yeah. paid to go but um, you know what I mean it's it's we've got a long ways there's a long ways to go mm-hmm. but let's not be mistaken when you look at the actual figures and the numbers of what Bellator does um, viewership wise and what Fox Sports One does viewership wise they're pretty much neck and neck oh, you know really? we were talking yeah and I would say That's Bellator's actually beat them a couple times and not just a couple but. You know, they're leaning, swaying more towards, because on the regular Bellator cards, they're getting top name guys mm-hmm. to fight on the on the regular Bellator cards. Whereas on Fox Sports 1, you're getting, you know, maybe one fighter that's a champion and then the rest of the cards kind of garbage, mm-hmm. you know, on the Fox Sports 1's cards. Now, Even their Fox cards aren't doing all that well. Now, Wait. the there's two sides of you, right? There's mm-hmm. the, the business side guy. You understand what's going to get people mm-hmm. to want to buy tickets, what's going to get people to watch. And then there's probably the purest fighter inside you that that wants to see the best fighters and the best fights and mm-hmm. like for for the business side what do you think that these organizations have to do to really succeed like what's your opinion and then what would the fighter side of you like to see well i mean let me let me reverse it like what would you prefer to see for well see i see I, i'm a jiu-jitsu would, guy i like okay. ground stuff but i'm totally different from most americans like most americans get bored mm-hmm. when people are on the ground for too long yeah, i love that i would think 80 percent of the people just want the drama I think that's what they look for. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that's why Connor is such a, a big, big name in the, the hype and yeah, all that. It's the, I think it's the the soap opera of it, right? Mm-hmm. What do you want to see? It's sort of a hybrid of both. I mean, yeah. I, I, I pay attention to a lot of the shit talking, but for the most part, like I want to see real striking techniques, and I want to see somebody that's legitimately like the best. Yeah. See, you guys are the, you guys are the, the everyday casual fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So whatever it is you guys want to see is what the rest of the United, mm-hmm. the rest of the world wants to mm-hmm. see. Yeah. Like for me. I could give two shits about rankings. I want to see the best fight. Mm. <clears throat> like if you watched um, the Roy McDonald and Douglas Lima fight for Bellator, yeah. mm-hmm. the, that's the type of fight I want to okay. see. Yeah. You know, I want to see that fight. I want to see two guys where there's no quit in them and just gamers. The Dan Henderson Shogun fight. Yeah. That was, oh yeah. yeah. That's I the fight you want to see. Yeah, you know the, the the Josh Thompson Gilbert Melendez fights. Yeah, I mean, yeah. those are the fights I want to see. I want to see fighters like that. You know, even though I came out, even though I lost to Tony Ferguson, that's the type of fight I want to see. I want to I want to see a guy who gets who I got I got destroyed in that fight. Mm-hmm. Got cut up nasty. But there was never a moment I was like, man, this sucks. I should quit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Those are the fights you want to see. You want to see those fights. You want to see fighters that there's always a moment for them to win. Look at Derek Lewis. He got his title shot against DC, even though he didn't win the title shot, because he fought Volkov, and he was getting his ass kicked. Yeah, he, was, he lost yeah. <laughs> last 10 seconds of the yeah. fight. That he might have been one of the greatest cards Most I'd ever seen. That was comeback. one of the greatest yeah. cards. That, that's my point. My yeah. point is, like, I want to see those kind of fights. I want right. to see a guy who never, in a, there was never a moment that he thought, man, I want to quit. 
Mm. No way, man. I want to. And many times, when you're matching fighters up, are you looking at their styles that will ensure that that's going to be something like that? Or what are the things that you would look at when you're matching fighters up to ensure that you get a fight like that? So I look at a lot of. Um, I look at styles of who would be the best to do to do like to compete against each other. Okay. Like, let me give an example. I'll look at what. What's well, kind of what Scott Coker does, exactly what Scott Coker does. And I, I know I'm leaning more towards the Bellator thing because I've followed Scott for so many years. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> no one, there, uh, Paul Daly wasn't ranked or in the ranking to even fight Nick Diaz. But that ended up being probably the most exciting first round fight I've ever seen in my whole life. Mm-hmm. They fought, you know, and it's like when you see that fight and you're part of that fight, that, that to me was it's insane to watch Nick Diaz and Paul Daly at the time they weren't even they weren't really scheduled they weren't supposed to to fight each other in the ranking system mm-hmm. but they knew it was going to be a great fight and it was probably the greatest one round fight I've ever seen in my life mm-hmm. I mean most exciting that was right when the UFC had bought uh, Strikeforce and you had Lorenzo and Dana and everyone like sitting on the on the on the cage side mm-hmm. they were up out of their seats like man this is insane I mean my honest opinion is that the UFC kind of they kind of did a. Uh, they kind of. They could have used. They could have done what their what everyone originally wanted them to do. Is you had two different promotions, and they could have built up two different promotions, had two different sets of champions, and then eventually at the end year end had like a year end show or champion versus champion. Yeah, um, like yeah, they could have. Epic. They could have done that because they're having. That so would have been smart, I think. Look ha- at professional sports with uh, yeah. you yeah, know the national and like American League or something like exactly that. Exactly yeah. to see who's the best. They yeah. already. They already had this. They already had the proof that the guys in Strikeforce sold. You had DC. Mm-hmm. You had T Wood. You had Marcourt. You had myself. You had Gilbert Melendez. You had, I mean, like sure you could have intermixed a couple of the under ranking guys mm-hmm. to fight the champions on each side every once in a while, or maybe the number one contenders, you know, and said like, hey, you could at least be a champion on that side. People want to see be outside of Conor McGregor. People want to see champions. Like no one gives a crap if Conor McGregor has a title or not. Sure, they mm-hmm. just want to see him fight. Sure, they want to see the promo and the lead up and the drama, right? <laughs> yeah. Like this guy right here. You want they want to see all the drama and all the BS like coming up to it. You yeah. know that's yeah. what they want to see. They don't want to see uh, you know, the rest of them. The rest of them they want to know like hey, what titles on the line. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter for him. Yeah, I think if I think that would be a very smart strategy because you'd see one guy as a champion, another mm-hmm. guy who's a champion. So now I mean the build up to that would be amazing. Can you yeah. imagine a year end show every year where champion versus champion? No, that'd be amazing. I mean, like that would be like you know, Japan Pride used to do their year-end show every year, and they still do it, and it's huge, man. I mean, like we're talking thirty, forty, fifty thousand people in an arena. Yeah, it's yeah. nuts. It's in, it's crazy. It's like uh, I mean, that's a that's a strategy that's worked for a long time for sports events. Even pro wrestling did that for a long time, where you'd have the intercontinental champion yep. yeah. and the world champion, and they're going to go together, and it's champion. I mean, everybody loves seeing that. That's, yep. a, smart, that's a smart strategy. I, I, and they had already had the format that worked. I mean, they could have just left Scott Coker in place, could have kept him on, and never have to worry about him being your competitor. Mm. They could have had uh, Rich Chow, who was the matchmaker for them, and just kept doing what they're doing and plugging mm. away, trying to sign talent. Because you know how many... Then that would have ensured no other promotion, like promotions like 1FC, would ever be even... Would, even, would ever have a chance. Mm. And they own the rights to both of them now. You know, mm-hmm. like they, they had the chance and the opportunity to do that. And I think they just wanted to shut it all down and make one. Just do it all one. Yeah. yeah. What What's the vibe like at Bellator with UFC? Is there is there a lot of shit talking that goes on behind the scenes? Are you guys not big fans of UFC or it, what do you guys? No, there's there there's actually no negative vibe at all. Like I And the same thing was, was with Strikeforce. All he did, all Scott did was bring the same people that worked for Strikeforce over to Bellator. Okay. And just said like, hey. 
you know, we, um, we're just going to create this family atmosphere and this vibe. And we still have all the same employees we had from strike force. And we're just starting from the bottom now, you know, and we're going to work our way back up. You know, mm-hmm. it took six, seven years for strike force to get to that level. Mm-hmm. And here we are, I think in, in year four coming up on year four now, and, uh, it's getting there. It's mm-hmm. just going to take some time. You know, everyone forgets like, you know, um, the other thing as well is, um, even though we sign with, even though he's with Paramount Network and that new uh, fight app called The Zone, even though they're on there, which is good, but they're they're still. I think they still need to make sure that they get into some sort of like mainstream TV, mm-hmm. just for a couple big fights. You know, whether it's Showtime, whether it's CBS, whether it's uh, who knows, maybe even Fox. You know, because the UFC's gone. They, you know, at the end of the year, they're gone. They're they're going to be on ESPN, mm-hmm. which it, I think is going to be, which I don't think is a good idea for them. That's interesting. Really? Mm. How come? Yeah. Well, because if you think about it, right, ESPN, who watches ESPN? Fight, not fight fans, right. but sports, right. sports people. And if you actually listen to ESPN, their commentary guys, like, they don't know. They like, have no idea no, what's I going don't. on. Well, who are they going to bring they in? They have no clue. Like DC and some. Well, DC will be part of it, I'm sure. But from what I understand, DC's going to probably stay with Fox covering football and wrestling. Oh, really? And wow. the other things. Yeah. His deal. Yeah, he has that, mainstream appeal. Yeah, he's sure. very yeah. mainstream. Yeah. I got to tell you, man, he's the best in the business. I mean, and I'm, yeah, I'm not hilarious. trying to be biased. Yeah. <laughs> But I truly think he is he's phenomenal, man. Like he he's ready to go to the next level. He can be he can yeah. cover football, he can cover basketball, he can cover obviously wrestling. Well, you're just getting started too, man. Yeah. Tell, tell me a little bit about just that. getting started. I'm excited, man. We just did a I just signed a three year deal with Viacom. So did you? Yep. So we'll be we'll doing commentary for them. I still have fights left on my contract with uh, Bellator. There is a, a chance that I may fight. Um, we're waiting on one fight to potentially progress, but we'll see what happens on that. Awesome. Oh, would, nice. you be, would you be excited to fight again? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, but there is one fight I'd like to, to, to run it back, and uh, you know we may see that fight again, uh-huh. so we'll see. So we'll I see. have a question for you. So something that I used to love about one – thing, one thing that I loved about MMA, I was a kid when the first UFC came out, and I don't remember how old I was, but we, my dad ordered it on pay-per-view, and I'm watching it, and I knew nothing about – what I believe true about martial arts was what I saw on the on the in movies. So like mm-hmm. the, the the flashy dude with the six pack, the rip guy or whatever's gonna kick everybody's ass. Bruce Lee. And we uh, we all know that you know Hoist Gracie beat everybody yeah. on that one. He's this kind of skinny Brazilian dude. And we always we we see that a lot of times in MMA, like Fedor. You know, if I saw Fedor on the street right. or at the beach with the shirt off or DC, yeah. yeah, I'm like they don't look. The guy's not that ripped, but they beat the shit out of you. Yeah. So it almost makes you question: Can you tell by looking at someone if they're a, a badass? You're a fighter. Are there things that you can see in someone? Because for the average person, it's so hard. You just see someone who's ripped and you think they can fight, but that doesn't mean shit a lot of times. I think. What we talked about earlier, I think it's the confidence. When someone walks into the room, you see the confidence in them, their demeanor, their personality, mm-hmm. their their willingness to engage with other people, not afraid of anything that happens. Because like I said, you know, you can beat me at tennis and golf, but I can beat you up. So when you walk into a room, you have that sense of confidence. I'm like, it doesn't matter what goes down right now. Unless someone whips out a gun or a knife, we're good, bro. Mm-hmm. Like I can have So you can here. sense that when you yeah, see Yeah, you know, and like DC, he walks in a room, he's just electric. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Kane, he's a little bit more humble. He's quiet, kind of comes in. But you look at Kane, he looks like a fighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and I'm not, not saying, I'm not saying that he's ugly, but he just has that like, <laughs> you know, he has that like, hey, yeah. 
Go ahead, say something. But he's He'll so nice, man. Head. I don't yes. know if I see them big cauliflower ears. That's normally a sign yeah, for me. That's yeah, like, that's, that's an easy one. That's some years of that's some years of rolling around to get yeah, the ears that fucked it up. It is, but I mean, D- <laughs> DC doesn't have collie. Right. So it's like one of those things where you're like, man, DC doesn't. have You cauliflower. would never know yeah, if he met DC. Yeah, no. He's like this jolly. No, I've ran into know. him multiple times. That he's always out and about in San Jose, and he doesn't. Look, he's not very tall either, nope. so he's not like this crazy. Yeah. Pre- not Kane's a big boy. Like you get around yeah. Kane, and you're like, okay, yeah. you know what? You wouldn't. He's got a head like this big. You know. Kane's like 6'1", around 6'1", just thick, like a tree trunk, you know? Uh Uh, DC, he's big too, but I mean, like, he's shorter. He's like 5'10", you know? Him and I are about the same height. Uh And so, when you see him, you're like, man, you don't look that big. But I mean, like, you don't look like... But he'll give you some frequent flyer miles. DC's always smiling, though. That's the thing. yeah. Super happy guy. How much respect you got for him coming out, coming out, and and whooping on uh, old boy on the last one? Oh, I mean, I do. I mean, but things, we, we, I think he... He knew. He, he weighed the measurements. Okay, pay me this much money. Right. All I got to do is wrestle. I've been wrestling my whole life, you know, getting a good enough shape to wrestle. I mean, he his hand was broken all through camp. He didn't really strike with it at all. He didn't spar. Oh, he didn't wow. use it. Didn't do anything. He wanted to make sure it was healed as much as it could have possibly been healed before the fight. I mean, he's just looking to the Brock fight. I, I pretty much can, I would think that he's going to be done after the Brock fight. Now, do you, now, do you guys- so that's for sure. Do you feel yeah, like you guys sure. have this ability? So. Like, how often are you like, right on when you know you can take a guy like how often do you look at a fight like DC looked at that fight and knew like I know I can do a little bit of cardio the next couple weeks I'm in good enough shape I'm not even scared yeah you know can you normally tell like if you got a guy and how often is it that somebody surprises another fighter well, it's the fight game, and that's why we that's why we fight the fight. You never know, you know, like you, you don't know what's going to happen until you get in there. It, it all it takes is one punch, mm-hmm. you know. With Derek Lewis, we saw that in his fight before that. Uh, yeah, you know, all it yeah. took was one punch. So it's hard. It's hard to say that this fight will end. I can finish this fight any way I want because you don't know if the guy lands a clean shot. Well, everybody has you know the the shooters the shooters luck or the lucky punch that could possibly potentially happen. But there's got to be guys that based off of your skill set. And you see their skill set where you just know, like, oh, he's just, it doesn't matter. He's not a match. But worst case scenario, I know I can let, get him down and he's, then he's not going to be able to do anything. Yeah, that would be the fight that I would I would say that was the Derek Lewis fight. But I mean, when you think about it, I mean, like we saw in his, like I said, going back to his last fight, you just never know. It just mm-hmm. takes one thing. Here's the thing. If you watch, even if you look at, watch with DC with John Jones, their, their last fight. Yeah. I was like, man, I had DC winning the fight. Three, I was two or three rounds to none. and But then he got, he got clipped a little bit with the head kick. It was yep. like, Wobbled him, and then the fight was over. Mm-hmm. It, it only takes that. Even though I felt like DC was winning the fight, it doesn't make a difference, man. Like yeah. it just takes like you just you get carried away, lackluster. Mm-hmm. You're thinking you're controlling the fight, and the fight's over. You wake up, and you're like, man, what happened? Mm-hmm. You know, that's what happened. That's exactly what. Well, who was the most surprising fight for you that you got in the ring that you were like, oh shit, this dude was- I wasn't expecting that. Uh, you know, I would say Tony Ferguson. Yeah, you oh, know, yeah. it was just different. Like he had, he reminded me a lot of Mike Swick. Like kind of bony, uh, uh, wiry, mm-hmm. you know, and it just had that like that strength. He wasn't strong. That's the one thing with Tony. He wasn't physically strong, but man, he had huge hands. So like when we shook hands at the Wands and his hand like wrapped all the way around mine, it makes a difference. So when we were, I was like, I he pulled me into his guard and he got wrist control, and I couldn't get my hand back. And most people mm-hmm. I can roll out. But I couldn't. I was like trying to roll out of there and I couldn't get to that position and just felt like you couldn't get your hand back. Mm. I was like, man, this sucks. I mean, <laughs> he threw me off. He like everything he did threw me off. He threw the push kick. I was like, those don't look hard. But I blocked five or six of them. And then I woke up the next day. My forearm was swollen. Those of you guys that are watching on YouTube, my forearm was swollen from my elbow to my wrist. It was like probably a mound. I would oh say at least at least three or four inches thick. 
it swelled up so bad. I thought maybe I fractured. I went to the doctor and they're like, no, you just have a severe bone bruise, <laughs> which bone bruise is like a, like little microscopic fractures. Yeah. But still, it was just like, man, this sucked. What do you I do mean, after these fights? What do you do to recover? You just lay in bed and just Well, every rest? fight's different, man. Every yeah. fight's different. With the, the second Gilbert Melendez fight, I couldn't lay down because I had lumps all over my head. So I had to sleep. I had to sleep <laughs> oh with a neck God. roll pillow. For, for three nights, I slept with a neck roll pillow sitting up in my couch. Damn. Yeah, I had to sleep like that. So I put all the pillows around me and I was like, make sure I was comfortable. And I just had a neck roll pillow and I just slept sit, sitting up. Now, do you guys talk to each other afterwards? Be like, hey, bro, you fucked me yeah. up. Man, like, we had, we, we <laughs> Gilbert and I have, we had a couple conversations afterwards you know um it, it was just a tough tough fights man like tony ferguson i had cuts all over so i couldn't i had to change all the sheets on my bed because i had white sheets so i had to change them all to the dark sheets you know so <laughs> you know it's like because i had cuts i had i want to say i had 24 stitches here on my forehead here up and i had i had two mercedes benz like cuts right here in the front of my in front of my head so i think i had like another 14 and 12 stitches on each side Damn. yeah and then i had a cut on the bridge of my nose it, it cost it was like two stitches i mean i got cut up pretty bad in that fight if you watch a lot of his fights that's what he does yeah. so he tries to grab and he elbows really what? well elbows. he's real bony elbows. and he, yeah he's yeah. an elbow man so um it's, it's just hard to deal with something different to deal with and the length and the reach Kind of threw me off. Tough guy, man. Really tough guy. I, I remember when I was, you know, the few fights I've been in, in as a kid, I remember I never felt anything till after. Does that happen for you as well? Are you in the fight and you're like, oh shit, I'm getting cut? Or or is it afterwards you're like, what the hell happened to me? I didn't even feel that. No, stuff. I mean, honestly, uh, the forearm in the, in the Tony fight, I felt that. A um, couple knots in the head with the Gilbert fight. I felt those a little bit, but no, you really, yeah, you really don't feel a whole lot. Mm -hmm. The very first Gilbert fight, I threw a couple uh, kicks and my I kicked his elbow and I went to like plant my foot after I kicked his elbow and I could feel the pain and like kind of caused me to, to, to like shuffle my feet like, Ooh, that hurt. Mm -hmm. But other than that, you just kind of try to work through it. Mm -hmm. You know, all the, this, the real hard things that you hit, you feel, you don't really feel because you're either knocked out or you're wobbled sure. and you don't feel those, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, those are a surprise. Yeah. The, the adrenaline that's going, you don't feel it. The, the, the only time you'll really feel it is when you, you won't feel it, but what you'll know is you'll know you got hit with a good shot because all of a sudden like the lights get dim or you start to vibrate. Your body starts to vibrate. You got hit with a clean shot. You'll feel like oh wow that that was different like you know you don't feel you don't feel as much control of your body at that moment what's some of the that's got to be a skill that you learn just through fighting where if you get hit how to react or respond while you're a little bit hurt because mm -hmm. I, one of the biggest um i guess criticisms of martial arts in the past has been if you don't train full contact and you actually get hit you don't know what to do because mm -hmm. you never experienced that how do you learn that process of getting hit and knowing how to react is Let it just through let me ask you this. Does that translate to football also? It, it might, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, that's my, like, they, you know, they, they moved football to one padded practice a week. And now we see guys just getting laid out and knocked out in, fight, in, in, uh, in games, right? Mm. So like, instead of just getting like a concussion and still being able to play, now they're just getting just annihilated. Guys are like, you know, arms are going stiff. They're shaking. Toes are pointed out. <clears throat> and, um, and I was telling, and who was I telling? I was telling somebody the other day. I said, they move to one pad of practice a week with really no contact, and they get in the game, and they go as hard as they possibly can at each other. And then what do you think is going to happen? 
It's mm-hmm. worse. It's worse. I mean, I, I, to me, I feel like it's worse. Now you're getting legitimately knocked That's an interesting out. theory. Yeah. You know? So There's a as, skill to getting hit, man. Yeah, as much as I would like to say that dumb Oklahoma drill where they ran right into each other and tried to win, yeah. you know, in football, that's the same thing as that what fighters do when we call sparring. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. We get out there and we spar. And, you know, and we punch each other in the face to get our body used to the movements, how to roll with the punches, how to, how to absorb the contact, you know, and how to come right back and throw something right back. Mm -hmm. So not only do you hit me, but I roll with it. I move and I throw right back to try and land something on you. Mm -hmm. Well, football players, I feel like they've gotten away from that. So they didn't leave. They stopped learning how to take the shots. They stopped learning how to, uh, tackle. They stopped learning how to just absorb that type of punishment and their body's not used to it, mm-hmm. you know? And I'll give you a, for instance is when I don't, when I don't train or I don't spar for say, you know, a month or two or like after one fight to the next and the first two weeks or first week and a half I'm sparring my forehead, my forehead is all like super sore and I wear headgear and I'm con I'm doing you know, I'm light sparring with some guys, mm-hmm. but I've been hit so many times. Now all of a sudden my forehead hurts. Like little like paint, like it's like just little bruises all mm-hmm. around your eyes, all around your cheekbones, you know, your chin kind of hurts, your neck is a little stiff from taking the shots. And that's only like say a month, month and a half of mm-hmm. not being not taking any punishment. So what do you think is gonna happen with football players? Mm-hmm. They never take any punishment. Like they're yeah. they're playing they're playing touch football during the week. Oh yeah, they've pretty much eliminated it. Yeah, the and then they get into the practice. game and then they wonder what's going on. How come the guys getting concussions? Oh, we gotta make the sport safer. Right. I mean, you got to train. That's an interesting point. Yeah, it's an interesting because I felt that you know going through camp and everything. It's like you needed those shots. You needed to to feel that feeling so that way, yeah, you could respond and also breathe, you know, and, and recover on top of that. Well, so, isn't yeah. there a term for it with like building their shell? Well, and- I, I called it that. Yeah, all the time. Like it, it felt like it was like building my shell, you know, to get out there. You and definitely perform. learn. You definitely learn how to move with hits and how to handle them. And then you you probably learn how to how to process quickly uh, in that you know in that state where you get hit and then you know how to respond and react because that's the thing that you'll notice about this is why you know full contact fighters can be so dangerous like a boxer with two years of experience what makes him so dangerous if you hit him he knows how to move he knows how to react to mm-hmm. your punch whereas if you hit someone who's a ten year black belt in a martial art that's never really been punched. They're going to get hit and they're going to get kind of shocked. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely a skill you build from well, that. Plus, if the other fighter sees that you're wavering at all or any, like, uh, you've affected them at all, they'll smell blood, right? And, like, yeah. really bring it on. Absolutely. So. Exactly. When I see you're tired a little bit is when I try to push the pace. Mm-hmm. When I see, <clears throat> when I'm training when I'm training younger fighters and I tell them, I say, as soon as you feel like you're tired and you back away, I'm going to go ahead and press the pace. And when you see that I'm tired... You should be thinking, press the pace. Even if you're not going to throw punches, at least take a step forward. That makes me think, oh man, I'm tired. Mm-hmm. It makes me even more tired <clears throat> thinking that you're going to try to push on me. You're going right. to try to lean on me. You're going to try to throw punches at me. Now I got to circle and get away. Yeah. I'm using energy in moments where I didn't want to use energy. That's why I stopped punching. That's why I stopped mm-hmm. pushing on you is I want to take a break. So when the fighter pushes back, you're like, oh man. And that's why you end up with guys that... <clears throat> Um, you end up with entertaining fights. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen some fights where it's like they both are, they both look at each other like, okay, we're both tired, let's take a break. That's how it happens in sparring. Mm. So I say, I tell people every single time you spar, it doesn't matter if you spar with a fresh guy every round, it will never simulate how hard a fight is. 
even when I, I was getting ready for Gilbert Melendez uh, all three times, and I had a fresh guy that came in on me every single round, and they would give me a, one hard round, and I was like getting exhausted and getting exhausted. But that still didn't simulate how hard those fights were. Mm-hmm. Because every time I wanted to rest, <clears throat> my sparring partners would let me rest a little bit because they were tired. You know, I would push them to the point where they were a little bit tired. They're like, okay, look, let's, you know, like they would just slow down. <clears throat> Whereas with, um, with fighters, when they see you when you're in the actual cage, it's like, no, there's, there's money involved. Like, I see you tired. No, I'm coming after you. You see, mm-hmm. I'm tired. You're coming after me. You know, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot at stake. What would you say are some of the most important physical attributes for, for fighting? Like strength, stamina, endurance, flexibility. Uh, what would you say are some of the most important things that a fighter physically needs to have in order to perform well? Number one is cardio. Just stamina. Yeah, because cardio uh, 100% helps with your mental. And, it, and fighting to me is mental. I feel like you always see an example of that like with the Ultimate Fighter show, like these guys that like, they can only, they do like the two round things and if they were ever, I, I think at one point, I think they did do three rounds and it they was, did. It was terrible yep. because the guys would just be all gas. And I remember seeing that going like, wow, dude, even as good as all these kids are that are you're watching the show, they get to the pro level, they're gonna get mopped up. And they're so young, which baffles me to believe that they're not, they're not in shape. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, why is that? Just, to me, honestly, the bad coaching. Wow. They should have coaches that should get you on the treadmill. Now it's hard to make that adjustment when you're in the um when you're on the reality show because they have you on a set schedule of when you can work out, when you can't. Like, you know, the, But I think you would come like, into that though. Wouldn't you come into the show like you would think you would come in with right. a little bit of yeah. you know, with a little bit of conditioning at yeah. least. I mean, but my whole focus has always been in any of my fights is making sure that I was in the best shape I could possibly get in. I mean, we're talking cardio-wise. You're yeah, saying. always conditioning, like muscle endurance, and everything I did was high reps, lower weights. I never really lifted heavy weights. I never, you know, I mean, like occasionally I did some deadlifts, you know, and and that was it. Who are some of the best examples in, in the in the fight game of that? Like, had the best gas tanks? Cain Velasquez. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah definitely. That doesn't even make sense at his yeah. size <laughs> yeah. too. Yeah, He's just, just doesn't get tired. Cain Velasquez, man. You know, it's funny. It, it this is what you'll notice. Well, at least what I've noticed in MMA is that. High level wrestlers who enter into MMA seem to be the most they seem fit, to do the best, yeah. and and I think it's because wrestling teaches that very well. Mm-hmm. Like you learn that at a very high level in wrestling, you get up to the high level of college wrestling, you have incredible stamina and endurance that it spills over to MMA. Well, I wouldn't say what it is is you're teaching your your athlete how to push their mind and their body to the same brink. That's what it is is they aren't, they, I wouldn't say they're in phenomenal shape. They just train their body, to, their, their mind to understand that their body can do more. Oh, I mm-hmm. see. You know, and that's what wrestling is. Wrestling lets you, lets you know that when, you're, when you feel like your body is tired, that it, trust me, your body can do it. You know, I can't, I can't explain it enough to people that when you think you can't keep going, you can keep going. 100% you can keep how do you, how do your you tra- mind will quit before your body how will. do you train that in someone if you're training someone would you just, you just push them till they cry no more, <laughs> yeah just more repetition yeah you know I feel like it's it's all about the repetition like when I first ran out and did 400 yard sprints we were doing uh, full full track sprints I did four of them and I thought I was gonna die I was like there's no way there's no way I went out there with my coach and he was like yeah Javier Mendez went out there and he's like okay we're gonna do four I ran the first one like in a minute minute one minute two He's like, okay, three more. And I was like, there's no way. 
I was like, I, I don't know what I was thinking that we were only going to run one, <laughs> but there was no way. Full I was throttle. like, man, there is no way. My second one was like a minute 30, minute 35, minute. I was like, man, this is horrible. Mm. And then, but by the time I got close to the fight, we were doing two, two lap sprints. So I was doing a whole mile of sprints, you know, so I was doing eight eighties. So I was doing two of those and I was doing six, four forties and keeping all the times under one twenty five. Wow. 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 Yeah. So full lap would be under 125. Right, so my right. first like full lap, yeah. So we started off with two 880 sprints. Then we did six 440s. And then he'd have me do a couple like bleacher sprints, like mm -hmm. up and down the bleachers, hop up and down the bleachers, full step up and down, skip every other step, you know, that kind of thing. And then that was, you know, we'd do that. And that was our, that was my conditioning mm -hmm. workout. Mm -hmm. What yeah. about, what about strength? What, where do you see the biggest or the best application of strength in MMA? Would it be the ability to hold someone, grip strength? back strength uh, explosive strength yeah it's it's hard to say i would say it's more technique okay you know um there's never something that says um i don't think there's any thing I, any one thing i can give you like oh man that guy's so strong he won because he was strong mm -hmm. i think it, you win because of the technique I, i've trained with some guys that are you know 135 145 pounds but just phenomenal jiu-jitsu guys and they feel a lot stronger because they're like backpacks on your back sure. if they get to your back they're like they're not letting go yeah. i mean they're and it has nothing to do with a whole lot of the strength it's more of the technique and the position of where they're at are there That's any actually, new uh, <clears throat> techniques out there like right now? I know the sports evolved quite a bit, but are anybody bringing in other modalities into the mix? That well, uh, I mean, you just watched the other night, right? With uh, Yair Rodriguez hit him, hit Korean Zombie with that little uh, upward oh, back I elbow, saw, yeah, oh, and knocked him out. I mean, that's yeah. that's probably one of the greatest knockouts ever in in uh, in history in MMA history. Mm. Uh, definitely a weird kind of fluky type mm -hmm. of thing, but being, I mean, he's got, he had to be willing to throw it and it was amazing. Mm -hmm. Landed yeah. and clean and beautiful. It sucked because Korean zombie was up on the cards, was going to win the fight and there was less than a second left and he got knocked out. Wow. Yeah. So this is just one more thing to be aware of. Yeah. yeah. I mean, had he got dropped and was able to get up, he would have won. Yeah. That's how crazy that is. That and is the fact crazy. that he, and the, the, I was telling uh, producer Dave yesterday when we did the punks opinion, I was like, man, I said, dude, he actually even kind of felt like a zombie. <laughs> the way he fell was like all oh, his arms went limp he hit his face and yeah. I was like man I feel so bad oh, for shit. too bad oh. no but you know it's it's true it does evolve so quickly what I'm seeing a lot in, in like grappling sports is leg locks seem to be just mm -hmm. dominating like crazy are we going to start to see that spill over in MMA? You'll see a little bit of it because like uh, Bellator has Dylan Dennis who, yeah. who loves to do the leg lock position he won his first fight in with a toe hold uh, you will see it, but there is a lot of risk involved when you're talking MMA and leg locks because if you don't get to the proper position fast enough, hit. the guy will be able to squash or smash your legs in and get on top and start punching you. Mm. So um, we saw, I want to say it was Ian Freeman with, um, crap, I want to say Frank Mir, mm. where Ian Freeman just annihilated, I want to say Frank Mir with with strikes because he kept trying to go for the leg lock. Mm. or the And um, it, it was a, like one of those feel good stories because yeah. Ian Freeman had just lost his dad that day mm. and found out oh, why he was oh, there for the God. fight and uh, and was able to beat Frank. I want to say it was Frank Mir. Um, but man, what a, mm -hmm. it's just very inspirational. But uh, it was, that was a classic case of like 
that's why MMA guys don't really go for leg locks a whole lot. For me, I feel like leg locks, knee bars, those type of things, there's something you got to catch them in transition. Mm -hmm. You catch them in transition when they're not ready for it, and you're able to lock it in quickly and try and finish it. If you don't get it, you basically kick them back mm -hmm. and get away and make space to get back up to your feet yeah. or sit up to like another position. But the thing I love about MMA is that you know we've heard so many times like, oh, spinning kicks, those are just for the movies. They're never going to work in MMA. Dude started using them, started knocking people out. Yeah. We're not going to, oh, you know, front snap kick to the face. That's that's movie shit. That's not yeah. going to, boom, people started getting knocked out. You know, uh, spinning backward elbow or yeah. back fist. That'll, people start getting okay. knocked out. It's like it keeps proving us that you can, yeah. if, if, you know, the right fighter can start to incorporate these things. You got to cool. clear something up for me. So Steven Seagal. Uh, what is it, what is the story behind that and like this this I don't know if it's an urban myth or whatever with with this front kick that he taught Anderson Silva oh, and I have to know like from somebody that actually knows it's you know, all the sport. it's all it's all for TV man yeah. oh it's bullshit <laughs> I thought so it's all it's we all mean, bullshit Steven Seagal would be the he's so now, badass <laughs> I mean in in reality though it is a it definitely was something that and everybody's body style is different. Anderson yeah. Silva was perfect for that. Uh, Leoto Machida used it later again on Randy Couture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I used it on uh, KJ Noons when I fought him. And it lands. I mean, it does. It works. But with every technique, the setup has to be right. You know, so when you do the setup properly, it doesn't matter who's throwing it. As long as you're setting it up properly, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you're able to throw it the clean and crisp, then you have a chance. Do you see any any positions or moves right now that are underutilized that you think if a that a fighter really focused on, they, they might have an advantage? What do you mean? I, like anything. Like, do you see any any anything any room for improvement right now? In other words, like I said, hit leg locks. It seems like maybe they. There's a lot of them in grappling. Is it going to spill over? Do you see anything where, okay, I think there could be an advantage if a fighter starts to focus on, you know, more of this particular position? Do you see anything like that? Or is it just so complete now that it's so difficult? I think it's everyone is for themselves is whatever works best for you and your body style and your technique. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Excellent. You know, I mean, there's nothing that I can, like, there's things that I can do that, that you can't do. There's things that you can do that I can't do. And, you know, someone's always better at something than, than I am. Mm. Definitely. I always love talking to MMA stuff with you, but I want to talk to you a little bit about the business again and what, uh, I mean, how are you announcing, podcasting, running a school, like how are you, and then also training to fight potentially, like how are you managing your time right now? Pulling my damn hair out. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> aren't you even in a movie too? Yeah, so I did, a, I did a couple movies over in Asia. I'm actually talking with a couple people right now about me doing some more movies over there. Um the new Rush Hour Four is coming out, and they actually had hit me up about pot potentially working. You know, oh hell being, yeah, being nice. on that show as well. So we'll see. There's so many little things and so many things that need to happen for things like that to happen. The time frame has to work. Um, now that I signed a deal with with Viacom, working with them, it's got to work around their schedule. I mean, that's long term for me. My long term goal is to do exactly what DC's doing. Is I mean, he already understands. I mean, yeah. I want to say he's making. So he's making really good money working for Fox. I could see him working into covering more sports. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what I want to do. Okay. You know, I love oh, you'd doing- you'd be great though, yeah. But this is, this this pod, like your guys' podcast and, and me working for, for them is exactly what I want to do. Just mm -hmm. keep doing that. Keep talking. Keep communicating <laughs> to people. Exactly. Now, are there are there people like I mean, you mentioned DC, so I imagine he's somebody you follow. Are there other podcasts and announcers that you you're paying attention to what they're doing, and are you how are you evolving your your style? Well, um, I mean, for me, it's it's easy to just keep doing what we're doing because I'm talking about fighting. Fighting mm -hmm. is exactly what we're we've been talking about for the last you know hour now. Mm -hmm. um, 
I can talk about this all day long. I mean, I've been doing it for 20 something years now. So, and then you mix it with the wrestling, the sports and the athletes and, and people that I know, um, as far as dealing with, uh, or as far as viewing and, and talking and seeing what other people do, I do follow Brennan's show because I've been on there a couple of times, you know, Brennan Shaw. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a huge Rogan fan. I like listening to some of his stuff. What I like with, what I like with Joe's show is that he, he tends to bring on people, even if they don't agree with his stuff and he will go ahead and have them on and let them explain. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, and what I find refreshing and it's not just because of his show but i actually have kind of started taking that mentality and my approach to to uh the climate of what we live in now sure and just let everyone be them and just you know and and sure maybe you can agree with them maybe you can't but just take that approach of like let them be them and whatever suits them let them do it their way you know and maybe you know there are things that i don't agree with but i tend to like just let them just deal with themselves, you know, however they want to do it, hear them out. There are, there are things that I've heard, um, people say, and I'm like, <clears throat> I don't really agree with that. I don't like, you know, I, I don't understand. But then when they explain it to me, I'm like, you know what? It does make sense. It does make sense on why you feel that way. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so, and that I gotta, I gotta say that I kind of got that a little bit from, from, um, from listening to some of Rogan's shows, you know, um, some of the people that he's, that he's had, I want to say he, and I've, I've talked about this before that there was a girl on there. I want to say her name was Michelle Kel Felper or something. Anyways, she was like the, she was on there and she talked about how she grew up in a church that went around and protested, um, veterans or gay people's marriages and said yeah. like, Hey, your daughters are your, your kids dead because he was gay or your kids sure. dead because they're a lesbian or, you know, your kid was, was this ve- the Westboro Baptist church. <clears throat> I believe so. Oh yeah. So oh. I listened to that one. That was actually the one that got me listening to Rogan at all. Oh, interesting. You know, uh, I didn't listen to any of his podcasts. That was the, that was one of the first ones I listened to. And I was like, now I like the show. Mm-hmm. Now I will listen to you. Are, like, do you have any plans of having, because you know, we're obviously a fitness and health podcast, but we've had quite a few episodes now that had nothing to do with fitness and health. Mm-hmm. And that's all by design. We, yeah. we have a lot of other interests and we like talking to different people, like you're saying. Do you have any, any interest in doing that as well, where you'll have some episodes that maybe don't have to do with martial arts and MMA that, you know, are other things that you're interested in? Yeah. So we've had on, uh, Tyler Farr, who's a country singer. We've had Jimmy Allen on, who's a country singer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jimmy Allen right now, I think he's got a top five on the, on the billboards for, uh, it's called best shot. So we, uh, we had him on, um, you know, we've had a couple other people that, that have been on that are not fight related, which I kind of, I, I do enjoy. We had Shane Faison on who is, uh, does fight tips, but we talked a lot about how he, Moved from Minnesota and came over from uh, I want to say Minnesota or Minneapolis. Came over from from there and <clears throat> and he, him and his wife started you know this thing called Fight Tips and they basically just talk about you know they basically put together like videos on YouTube. That's how they make their living now. They move out to LA and do the whole deal. And I'm captivated by people that do things that are completely different than what anybody else ever thought they would do. You know, I mean, like when you guys were younger, did you guys think you'd be sitting in the studio right now doing exactly what you're doing? Like no, sitting here talking, sitting here talking to me. No, I mean, yeah. sure, maybe you guys always had this little interest in, you know, did you used to do bodybuilding competitions, yeah. right, or fitness competitions? Yeah. yeah. So, 
Like, did you think you'd be sitting here traveling around, like meeting all these people? I mean, no. And think about the people that you've met and how they've changed your life on how to live mm-hmm. a healthier lifestyle, not just like lifting weights, you know, in the gym, pumping iron, right. but like living an actual healthier lifestyle. Yeah. You know, the, the things no, you put, surreal. the things you put in your body now is completely different than when we were younger, what we used to think we would put in our body. Yep. You know, and so I think about all those things, all the times that I've listened to either, whether it's Rogan, whether it's listen to you guys or whether it's um, <clears throat> or whether it's Shab or whether whatever it is. OK, or just even listening to ourselves. And I have so many meetings and conversations with, you know, Scott Coker, the guys from Bellator, even guys from the UFC that I still am friends with over there. And to hear their conversations about how athletes and how the sport and how everything has fully changed and evolved and, and the people that I'm still friends with over all these years. It's insane. Yeah. And I never thought in a million years that I'd have my own podcast, you know, with Dave and with Sammy. And I never thought in a million years I'd be doing Punk's Opinion and people actually care about what I'm saying. I mean, like we're getting a lot of traction on those type of things. And I never thought that I'd be sitting in front of the, the camera, um, whether it's with you guys right now or even with with uh, with Bellator. Mm. And people are just they're clinging on to every little last word that you're saying. But with that is no different than when you're talking about kids getting a stripe, there comes more responsibility. Mm-hmm. You got to be very careful what you say. Have you gotten any heat? Have you gotten any, any hate? <clears throat> well, <clears throat> people disagreeing with you and being like, I disagree with your opinion. Well, yeah. when I, when I was with the UFC, yeah, I did. There was something that I, I had asked. I had asked a question and, um, and to touch on this and I probably shouldn't get into it too much, but I had asked a question and I said, because it was right around the time that they were trying to pass for gay marriage to be legal. Mm. And I had asked a question and said, hey, do you feel like gay marriage should be legal? And I said, before you answer that, I said, should you be allowed to have more than one spouse? So I just I, I just was asking based on, you know, when when you change the definition of marriage, does it open up the door for people to say like, well, sure. I want three or four That's wives? That's a logical question. Mm-hmm. It's a logical question. And not just that, but then does it open up the, the question for people to say, that they should be allowed to have more. And then how do you work the tax benefits of that? Sure. How do you work the healthcare for that? Like, how do you do these things? And those are all things that- So you that, got heat for that. Yeah, yeah. I got a ton yeah. of heat for that. I actually <laughs> I actually lost a job working for Fox because of that. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah, so Fox wanted me to work for them. Uh, I was supposed to be there with DC. DC and I were supposed mm-hmm. to work together. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were like, look, it's just too much controversy right there at this moment in this time. And it let me know that like, <clears throat> that's kind of around the same time I started listening to Joe Rogan. And I'd heard this whole ordeal with the the Baptist church thing. Yeah. And I was like, you know, this is, she's, she's a hundred percent right. She was, there was moments in there. Where she was like, you know, I knew it was kind of wrong. I knew I probably shouldn't have been doing it, but that's all I ever knew. And so it made me think about like, she left her family and everyone to do what she felt like was potentially right to, to go out there and explore. And I said, you know, what it did was it opened my mind to really listen to what other people have to say and understand <clears throat> when they talk to you. Why do you feel that way? And I want to hear without a Nate with, I can't talk to people that are aggressive with it. Like I'm a fighter. Don't, don't be aggressive with me about whether we're talking politics, whether we're talking taxes. (laughs) Yeah. Whether we're talking any of these things, just don't be aggressive. Like let's have a conversation. Let's sit here. Like we're sitting here right now and talk about it. And, um, and that made me feel that, that kind of opened my eyes to like, wow, people will take a question like that. And they'll turn it in. And I was just kept asking questions and I kept asking questions. I'm like, I don't feel these things. I don't feel like, I just wanted to know what, if it led to something else mm. or other things outside of what you guys are all trying to get approved, what, how would we handle those situations and those circumstances when they come? And then no one had answers for them or they did have answers, but you know, it was like, 
how are we going to get all that stuff passed? Uh, <clears throat> so when we did that, it put, it put a negative look on me. And I was pretty upset over the whole thing. I was like, you know what? You need to do something about yourself. You need to do something to change. Um, how you look at things, you know, on whether it's, whether you just listen to more people. So and you hear put yourself on say. the other side of it and you <clears> said, okay, I, I'm not going to judge people so harshly. I want to hear what they have to say. Well, I wasn't judging. Like there was never a moment where I, ju- I could, look, well, you felt judged. Yeah. I felt judged. Yeah. And I was like, you can't be that person. That's what and I, mean, I yeah. felt like I was being judged for just asking a question, yeah. you know? And, uh, you know, and I just, I just, when I look back now and I'm like, man, you can't, you, you have to, you have to listen to what everyone has has to offer mm-hmm. and what they're saying and just take it into take it in stride. Uh, yeah, know? I learned that lesson a long time ago. I had a client who I love to discuss and debate controversial topics, one of my favorite things to do. Mm-hmm. It's mentally stimulating. Yes. I enjoy it. And I had this woman that I trained and she was so effective at how she communicated her opinions and ideas. She was so effect, uh, effective, in fact, that she was rarely, rarely do you see someone change someone else's opinion yep. when it comes to religion or politics or stuff like that. But she would do it all the time and she'd get other people in the gym to kind of consider her opinion. So one day I asked her, I said, how did you get so, how did you get so good at communicating your ideas? And she said, well, what I did is a long time ago is I would form an opinion and I would seek out the opposing opinion with a total open mind, and I would mm-hmm. find the best argument for that side. And she said, either she said two things would either happen. One, it would strengthen my own opinion because I would know more about the other side and I would be better at my own argument. Or sometimes it would change my mind, in which case I was happy because I realized I was no longer having the wrong opinion. And so I started doing that. I started doing that myself. And what you end up finding is there's definitely assholes and shitty people out in the, in the world, but more often than not, we all kind of want the same thing. People want, you know, good for themselves, yep. good for their families. They have good intentions. So if you hear them out, even though you may disagree with an opinion, you start to empathize a little bit. Like, okay, we have a difference of opinion, but your opinion isn't because you're an evil person. It's because you really think that's the best thing yes. for everybody. Yes. And it helps you. It helps a lot. It helps a lot with the conversation. I, I really would like to meet your friend because I have another friend who's exactly like that, who actually helps me all the time. And uh, he's a, a, one of my members at my gym. We've been friends for a while now, but <clears throat> he gives me the same outlook and he asks questions because he's curious, not because like he's trying to prove me wrong. Mm-hmm. Sure. He, that, and that's the thing. Like anytime I, I say something, or anytime he says something, I'll respond back to him with a question because I'm curious, not because I feel like, oh, that's the way it should be. Sure. I'm not trying to catch you and like, well, well, that's what I said. I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to actually, I'm curious. I'm asking you a question because I'm curious. I want to know. Mm-hmm. I want to know why you feel that way. I want to know if you see, if you see it potentially my way, if I ask it this question, if I ask you this question, could you potentially see it my way? If you answer the the right way. Well, things are so crazy now that you can't even ask questions sometimes. It, it, <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. getting really crazy. Nobody wants other perspectives. Yeah. yeah. Or, or or if you ask a question automatically, oh, how dare you? What do you think? You know, who do you think? It's like, listen, let's have a conversation. Yeah. I'm exactly, honestly, I'm exactly like you now. Mm. That's exactly how I am. I want to know. I want, I, if, and I'm not, I'm not asking you when I talk about racism, when I talk about uh, yeah, gay ta- marriage, yeah. when I talk about anything that's a hot topic. Sure. I want to know. I want to know what, how you feel and why you feel that way. I want to know. I'm curious. It has nothing to do with whether I believe my way. Look, I could care. Like, I won't even have to tell you how I feel. I just want to know because I want, maybe there's something you're going to say that's going to make me think, you know what? You're right. Mm-hmm. That, that's the way it should. That's the way I should feel. And I want to know. And yeah. that, and it opened up my eyes. I think in that moment, um, 
I had so many people saying that because I was asking the question, they were offended that they were upset at me. And, you know, um, people were actually riding the UFC and people, cause I was with the UFC at the time, oh, they were wow. riding the UFC and they were riding like, uh, and they were saying that I should be kicked out of the UFC. And I was like, I was just asking a question. Mm-hmm. I was asking like, how does that, this, this may lead to something else. And, you know, and what are we going to do when it does lead to that something else? I could care less. Like, like, you know, I think every person that has ever been in a relationship, look, if you want to be in a relationship, be in a relationship. I don't care who you love. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. make a difference to me. How long ago was that? You got some serious heat from that. Yeah, yeah that was a while ago. I would say probably that was like, that must 20, have been a, 2013. Yeah, I was going to say at least five or six yeah, years ago, right? Yeah, it was right? 2013. Because now like it's that. not even, I mean, nobody even, yeah. when it comes to gay marriage, it's not even really a controversial topic anymore. It's legalized. I don't think it, I don't think it should have ever been a controversial yeah. topic. Like, But for me, I was more curious to know, like, how are you gonna no, those stop? are real questions. Yeah, how are you going to stop somebody from saying, well, I want two wives or I want two husbands or I want three husbands or yeah. three wives? Like, how yeah. are you going to stop that? Well, and my, then when you do, what are we going to do for expense? Like, what are you gonna, how are you well, going to... Well, my question was always, why the hell do you need to ask... The, why is the government why sanctioning it anyway? Yeah. Yeah. If it's two adults yeah. and they yeah. want to have a legal agreement, then it can be any two adults yeah. and who gives a shit? I, I never understood that. Yeah, I think because they, they started getting more, because the government wanted to get more involved in oh, uh, healthcare. Oh, with yeah. the healthcare. So then how are they going to break out the healthcare for? How are you going to say like, hey, now I gotta, I'm going to have your <clears throat> your husband and your husband. Right. Or, you know, and like what happens if you marry someone that has kids and it's it, moving on. Like just, sure. it, just, oh, you it, just, it just opened up You the just whole, wait. Yeah. The more the government gets involved with healthcare, Pretty yeah. soon they're going to start telling you what you can eat, yep. what you can't eat, you know, your activity levels. They'll start telling you everything and they'll be justified because they're paying yeah. for your health, your yeah. health care. That's so. yeah. I, I've always felt that less government is better. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter if you're, yeah, it doesn't matter if you're conservative or a uh, Democrat, whatever it is. I've always felt that the less people are involved in your life, let you live your own lifestyle, mm-hmm. yeah. <clears throat> the better. Go ahead. I mean, you marry, marry 10 people. I don't care <laughs> yeah. if you guys all want to do it, go right ahead. Yeah. Just don't ask the government for help. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's the thing. Like just take care of yourselves. Yeah. And I think when we first, when, when everyone started moving out west from the east, you know, <clears throat> all they wanted was a plot of land and to live their own life. And now somewhere along the line, we have decided that the government wants that the, we want the government to pay for our health care. We want the government to pay for our roads. We want the government to pay for all these things. Right. Like whether it's and I mean, you hear people when Obama got elected, they wanted people to pay for their gas and their cell phones and and. I just, I don't understand how that all came about. Like you should want to do everything on your own and there's nothing that makes somebody more strong than being able to have a job and pay for themselves. Mm-hmm. You, you it, create character. That you way. know, it's funny that attitude that you have about wanting to, to, you know, be autonomous and take care of your own, of yourself and have the freedom to dictate your future. A lot of that is learned through hard training. I noticed when I, when I train kids, for example, and they start to learn the lesson of, Work, sacrifice, result. Work, sacrifice, result. And if they don't put in work, they don't get the result. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It starts to bleed into the rest of their life. Uh, and you learn that. You learn that with hard training. Like, no, no, I need to put in the work. Mm-hmm. I need to put in the effort. It's the only way I'm going to get what I want. I, I'm not going to be able to rely on other people. Even if other people say they're going to do things for me, yep. it's just not the same. Well, <clears throat> I'll get into it. That's why I feel like wrestling is so important. Okay. Is that to me, wrestling is an individual sport, but <clears throat> the team sport Sure, it's great, but I can turn around and tell my parents, man, so-and-so missed that thing. That's why we That's why we lost. Sure. Well, if I go out there and get stuck, well, I went out there and made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Okay? I, I got pinned because I, I, I made a mistake because yeah. of me. Or if I got out, if I got tech-falled, probably because I got outworked. 
someone just out hustled me and outworked me because I probably wasn't in very good shape. You can't blame anyone right, but force, yourself. Forces ownership. <clears throat> exactly. So when you get into these conversations, the whole thing always falls back on it. No one's going to take care of you but you. Yeah. That's it. So why why are we relying on the government to do anything for us? Mm. And that's Plus always they do a that's, bad job. that's <laughs> yeah. That's always going to be my take. Mm-hmm. You know, and not to mention just the way that they waste money. Why am I allowing us? Why am I allowing them to put any 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 of our money, our tax paying money that we pay to them, into anything other than just maybe potentially fixing our roads? Yeah. Just do that. Yeah, you're, you preach, you're preaching to the choir now. <laughs> you can't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like the school chamber, systems. Yeah. The school system. We all know the school systems are broken. Yeah. I mean, uh, a lot majority of people send their kids to private schools or charter schools, or you know, a lot of these CEOs, the CEOs and CFOs and major companies, Facebook, they're all sending their money to the charter school systems. Yeah. They're not. They're not donating money to the, the government systems anymore. No. Because all their kids go to the charter schools. All their kids go to the private schools. Yeah, no, whether it's Catholic no, the, schools or Christian schools or charter schools or whatever, you know, it's true. It's true. <clears throat> and you you work with kids all the time, so you can see what works and what doesn't work quite a bit. Well, I see the kids that go to the private school. I see the kids that go to the public school. Big difference in personalities. Really, way big difference. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I've got nieces that I've got my family. So, and obviously, I'm, let me uh, clear the air. My family owns a charter school. They started their own. It's called STEM charter up in, up in, uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Oh, did they? Okay. So they're one of they're they're considered one of the best charter schools in, in all of Northwest. Mm. So and in the state of Idaho, they are the best. <clears throat> so, but it's all hands on. There's uh, I want to say that like in 95% of the classes, they don't have chairs. So the kids have to stand all day oh, that's right. and they talk, they just yeah. communicate and they do, they go from station to station doing their projects. Wow. You know, they do it either in a group setting of two or they do it in a group setting of like five to six kids. You know, I mean, they, how do you see that translate into the kids that you're teaching and stuff? Can you, what do you, you well, said, with the kids? What, yeah. What do you see? Yeah. The kids that, um, they go to the private schools or the kids that they just feel like, I feel like their attention span is a little bit greater. They also seem like that they have a, um, a sense of other kids' feelings involved. Like they care like, Oh no, no, you can go ahead of me. Oh no, no, you can, no, you can go ahead and you go first Mm. or you drill them. Do you want to go first? No, I'll go first. Okay. You go first. Like that conversation happens amongst kids that are five and six years old that go to the the schools that, that that foster that. And and it's, you're seeing it in the private schools, a a lot of it because it's the market pressures, you know, a a private school succeeds, it does well. If it doesn't, it fails and it shuts its doors. Public schools just get more funding typically um, because they'll say, oh, our test scores are low, our performance is low, we need more money. Private school doesn't get, if they performance goes down, they're not doing a good job, they shut their doors. So there's a strong motivation for them to do what really works. And you get a lot of hands-on is what you see. What what I don't like is that we reward, <clears throat> the government rewards schools or districts or whatever it is for, for spending all their money. And that's what drives me crazy is you guys are spending all of our money and because if they don't spend all the money, they don't get the then, budget. Then next they year. say next year, like, "Oh, you didn't need all that money, so now we're not going to give you as much." It's a, it's, it's a really crazy. Feedback. And I'm like, "How does that work?" Like now they're just throwing money away on things that they don't need, and they're not actually making the schools any better. If you look at the middle schools in the United States, the elementary schools are not bad. The high schools, they're not bad. The middle schools are like the armpit of America. Mm. They're horrible. I mean, you look around in the Bay Area in the middle schools, they're all like threes and fives. I don't think there's a school over seven mm-hmm. you know, in the ranking, in their, in their ranking system. They're horrible. The middle schools are garbage. Mm. But then the elementary schools, you'll get some schools that are nines and tens. When you get to the high schools, they'll be like eights and nines. You know, But it's very rare to find high schools that are tens. 
And then if you do, let me just tell you, the housing around that area, yeah. you're talking $2 million yeah, houses and, hot and up. Yep, yep, yep. Crazy. You know? Yeah, so I mean- um, so are you gonna do podcasts on these topics? Because I think you like these topics. Yeah. I love, <laughs> I love these topics. But I mean, but it these helps. are third rails, bro. You're yeah, touching a lot of the know, third man. rails. It helps. It helps the fact that, like, my family, like I said, they started a charter school. They got a sponsor. They basically got um, grants from a company called the Albertsons Group. Mm -hmm. So the Albertsons um, helped pay for the full funding. They started off their school. Um, I want to say it was kindergarten through fourth grade. And within one year, they Albertsons hit them up and said, "Hey, we would like to give you a bigger grant." if you'll go all the way to eighth grade. Oh, good deal. So they extended it to eighth grade and their program is successful and their school is the number one school in all of Idaho and like one of the top schools, I want to say two or three in all of the Northwest. That's great. And it's phenomenal. Now they're moving, now they moved into high school. It took them two years more because they just didn't have the curriculum mm -hmm. written out for it yet. But then my uncle, cause he started it with his, with his wife, uh, my aunt and uncle did, and they brought out the curriculum for high school, and now their high school kids are phenomenal. That's great. I mean, but they're not graduating in a huge class, so they're graduating like five kids, eight kids. Mm. Because, you know, most parents, because it's, it's a new school, they're not going to say, yeah, my kid's a freshman, let's move him there, not knowing how it's going to all pan out. Yeah. You know, so... Um, it's tough. It's definitely a hard school. And the kids were, some of the kids were so far behind. The parents got frustrated that their kids were so far behind that they actually pulled their kids out. Like, oh no, it's just too much homework. They're like, yeah, but we're trying to get your kid caught up to mm -hmm. standards. Your kid's way behind, like in just normal standards. And so the parents are like, yeah, well, he doesn't need to do that. He's got this and he's got that. And Well, that's hard. They, you can't control that. And you can't control that. Yeah. So, and it's upsetting. you like, uh, my whole focus would be if I had kids, it was like, my whole focus would be to make sure that my kids are mm -hmm. educated. I mean, there's nothing more important, not basketball, not football, you know, nothing else is more important. Now, sure, your kids should be active outside. I agree hundred percent, but those things are not as important. You want to have a family mm -hmm. one day? Yeah. One of these days. Yeah. We'll figure it out. A lot of kids. We'll figure it out. I see you having a lot of <laughs> yeah. kids, man. Really? I'm 40 years old, man. It's a little late. That's <laughs> all right, dude. You can, you, you can make kids. Yeah, that or you already yeah. feel like you have Triplets. a lot of kids. I, I'm in not, a sense, you kind of have a lot of kids already. Yeah, I, almost. Right. I think that's why a lot of, some teachers don't have kids. They only have like one. It's because they, they, already, they already have 40 kids. Every 30, 30 or 40 new kids every semester or every year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. Um. Yeah, I definitely, I def I'm okay with adopting though. Yeah. That's my big thing. That's I mean, awesome. like. I think for me, I'd like to have a girl and a boy, and I'd want them in that order, the girl first and the boy second, mm. you know? I think because then I think the boy en ends up taking advice or learning how to treat a woman. Uh, That's a good point. If it's his older sister. That's a good point. He understands, like, how um, how you should treat, you know? Like, if you're the older brother, you don't always treat your younger sister the right way. Mm. Sure, you look out for her and you protect her, but I think... To actually learn how to to respect a woman, and being the younger brother would probably be better. Oh, yeah. that's an interesting theory. Yeah, I like I that theory. Yeah, I do. Yeah. That's that interesting. Well, shit, man. It's always, always, always a good time with you, bro. Yeah, we're done already. Love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, always like a good time, man. So, yeah. And yeah. I think we're supposed to. Are you having us on your show, or what are we doing? Yeah. So I think what we're gonna do right now is we're just. I mean, I was just told that we're gonna flip it, and basically, I'm gonna bring in Sammy and then Dave, and we're gonna try to make some space and do something where we share a mic or something. We'll figure it out. All right. And then uh, you know we'll just chat with you guys about what you guys are doing. Excellent. You know, cool. and then uh, yeah, that's just, it. This is it, man. This is this is what we do. Right on, I mean, man. think about it, guys. I know. This is our job. <laughs> How, how crazy is this? It's a trip. Yeah, yeah. We, talk, this we talk about right? it every day. We do. Yeah.
It's we just do. so much fun. I mean, I'm enjoying every second of it. Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I could sit in here all day. Like, let's, we it could feels just, like nothing. Yeah. yeah. Which we'll be here for another two hours. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.